God. You can be seated. It is indeed a privilege to be here tonight and to uh, be able to speak to you about our subject. I will have to confess, I really wish that Brother Starks was having to be up here tonight rather than me because the subject has been rather uh, intimidating. Um, as you are well aware, for the last several weeks, we have been on a quest uh, exploring the spiritual elements of uh, our life with God and the building blocks uh, that are a part of who we are as children of God. And I hope that it's been enriching. I pray that it has been enlightening. And I hope that you have been challenged by what you have heard and you, uh, you appreciate what God has done in your life and through your life. And so we have looked at foundational elements of our spiritual life. We've looked at doctrinal aspects uh, that give formation to our spiritual lives. And then the last few weeks we've been talking about the more practical relational aspects of the Christian life. And I, I find it interesting that uh, this is an aspect of our spiritual life that we often overlook. We think, we, we think if we talk in tongues and we've been baptized in Jesus' name, it doesn't matter how we treat our neighbor. It doesn't matter how we relate to one another. It doesn't matter how we respond to one another. But the fact is, all of this is part and parcel of who we are and what should define our life as a child of God. And so tonight we're going to look at one of those aspects. And I confess to you, it has brought great conviction to me today. And over the last uh, couple of days, considering what we would be talking about tonight. But before I say all that, let me just inject this. None, none of the lessons that we have heard or that have been taught are designed to intimidate or condemn us. They are designed to inspire us and encourage us. And most importantly, challenge us to reach for those things that God has given to us. But the more that I studied this particular element this essential component, what I would call a vital aspect of my spiritual life. And it is one that is often discounted. It's many times overlooked. It's ignored. Some people even deny or reject its plausibility. But I believe that it is a defining element of who we are as children of God. And so our study this evening has to do with the way that we are called to live our lives. How we should view our life in respect to what God says in his word. 
It is a theme that runs from Genesis to Revelation. You will find it in the creation story and it is highlighted throughout the Bible. And it should be the perspective from which you and I live our lives for the glory of God. And that significant feature of our spiritual life that we want to talk about tonight is called stewardship. Everybody say it with me, stewardship. It is a fundamental principle of spiritual life. It is the essence of how you and I ought to live our lives on a daily basis. And it should be the guiding principle that plays into every aspect of our life. The Greek word for steward is, and I'm sure I will butcher this because I'm not a Greek, but my brother's not here so he can't correct me. So you're just going to have to assume that this is the way you're... You, Oikonomos, that's pretty good. And it means simply that you are a manager of a household. It is the root word from which we derive our word economy. And here is how scripture puts it. In Luke chapter 12 verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. A steward in biblical terms is simply one who has been entrusted with the managing of something that belongs to somebody else. That needs to sink in as deep as it can right now. That as a steward, you are acting as an administrator of the affairs and the possessions of somebody else. You are not the owner. I am not the owner. I have been simply called to manage what God has given and entrusted to me. When we understand this, that we are not owners, that God owns everything, then all that we have and all that we are and all that we do is simply given to us as a trust from God and he is looking to us to manage it well. When we realize that we are called to be managers, everybody say I'm a manager, not an owner. It changes the whole perspective of life. And when we understand that we are not owners of these resources, 
It will literally change how we use them and how we view them. If you don't think this is a subject of importance, then you've not read your Bible. Because as I said earlier, it begins in Genesis 1 and it goes all the way through to Revelation. Biblical stewardship connects everything. Say that with me. Everything. Everything. Not just my finances. Now that's what we normally think of when somebody's talking about stewardship. We're we're about to get a lesson on tithing and giving. But the fact is stewardship connects everything in my life to him. My talent, my money, my abilities, whatever it is that encompasses the totality of my life, then everything is connected with God and His glory and His purpose and His design. And our stewardship of these things expresses an obedience to His Word and it places everything under His control. Now when we think of stewardship, as I said, we often think of it in the financial aspect. But stewardship encompasses so much more. Listen to what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as the ministers, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That we are managers of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As a steward... I am responsible for handling the things that God has given me and handling them well and using them correctly. God has entrusted my life with things and it is my responsibility to handle them with care. When somebody asks you to babysit a child, You are not owner of that child. You are simply overseeing for a moment. Now, you understand the responsibility that comes with that. And that if something happens during that time frame, then you are responsible because you have accepted that responsibility. And the stewardship that Scripture speaks of is... No different. There is a responsibility that you and I have toward God for what he has entrusted to you and I. And I am responsible for handling it well. The picture of stewardship that we find in scripture will help you develop a more complete understanding of your relationship with God. 
And it will help you prioritize not only your money, but your values, your life, your talents, your abilities around everything that matters to him. Fortunately, when you read the Bible, you'll find many examples of stewardship that are found there. One of the greatest pictures of stewardship is found in the story of Joseph who came into Potiphar's house and was placed over the house and he entrusted him with everything in his household. And so it is that when God gives us these things, he trusts us. It becomes very clear when you read scripture that as a Christian, as a child of God, you and I are to think about and use our resources differently than the rest of the world may view them. Amen. And when we do not live out biblical stewardship, we wind up wasting opportunities that in fact would glorify God if we would use them in the right way. Stewardship, the principle, is built upon this. He created everything. Amen. Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Psalm 104, 24 said, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1 and 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Hallelujah. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. So he owns everything. Not only does he own or or, or he created everything, but he owns everything. Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Leviticus 25, 23 said, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. (laughs) For you are strangers and sojourners with me. Deuteronomy 10, 14. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God, the earth also, with all that therein is. Job 41.11 said, Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. So he created everything. 
and he owns everything. That's why you and I need to have the right perspective about why we're here and what he has given us the opportunity to be a participant in. That we have the privilege of managing and doing those things for his glory. Since God owns everything, all that we have comes from him. Amen. Not just our resources, but our honor, our strength, our power, our authority. It belongs to him. First Chronicles 29.12 said, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. This is one of the most challenging aspects of a, a child of God's life to grasp that I don't get the credit for anything. He is the one who gave it all. There are some times that we feel like that we earned something by our own merit or by our own labors or our own efforts. But even then, God is the one who deserves the credit and has the true ownership. For he declared in Deuteronomy eight seventeen, And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth power. It is he that giveth wealth, that he may establish his covenant with he which he swear unto the fathers as it is this day. So he created everything and he owns everything. And because he created everything and he owns everything, he has the right of delegating responsibility over those things. Go to Genesis chapter 2 and 15 and 26 and this is what you'll find. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. He didn't own it. He was there to dress it and keep it keep it. He could enjoy all the benefits. He could enjoy all the blessing, but he didn't own any of it. He was simply there to manage it for the Lord. Genesis chapter 2 verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We understand that when God created man and placed him in the garden, he commanded him to cultivate it and keep it, watch it, preserve it, stand as a guard over it. We are not the owners. We are simply the managers of what God has given to each of us. And he gives us all things to enjoy But nothing really belongs to me. I am responsible for what I do with it as well. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, he said, We are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. 2 Corinthians 6 and 1, 
we then as as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For you and I as children of God, stewardship is about recognizing where our resources come from and what he expects out of us in response to what he has given. We have a responsibility toward him. And most importantly, he will require accountability. He will require accountability. There is going to be a day when I am going to give an account for all the things that I have been given. Look with me at Matthew. They're going to put this passage up on the screen. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 down through verse 30. It tells the story of the master who was going to go on a long journey. But before he left, he calls his servants in and he dispenses to them certain things that, uh, that he wanted managed while he was gone, that he wanted to be taken care of. And, and if you read it, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and said, and unto one he gave ten, five talents, unto another two, and to another one, and every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents, and also likewise he that was received two, he also gained other two, and he that had received one, went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought over other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more and his Lord said unto him well done thou good and faithful servant thou hast been faithful over a few things I will make thee ruler over many enter thou into the joy of thy Lord he also that received two talents came and said Lord thou deliverest unto me two talents behold I have gained two more talents beside them this Lord his Lord said unto him well done Good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. You expect a lot. You anticipate a lot. You have an accountability about you concerning me. And I know that. And I know that you were a hard man and reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. I didn't lose it. I didn't waste it. 
But my stewardship is not about preserving. It's about using it for his glory. And so the master said, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I read this particular parable, I find a very clear message that God cares about how you and I use what he has given us. He cares about how we use it. And when you want to know what stewardship looks like, you read it in those first two men. Two men, one had five, another two. Two of those servants doubled their money for their master, but the third hid his gold, so the amount neither increased nor decreased. He hid it out of fear that he might lose it. And even though none of the gold was spent or wasted, it was all returned to him. The master was far from pleased. He will call us and he will call to give an account of how we have managed the resources, the abilities, the opportunities, the talents the giftings that he has entrusted to our care. They are not ours. They are on loan from God. Amen. And he is going to ask how we use them. The number of talents has nothing to do with what is accomplished. Doing something with what we have been given, however great or small, will be the issue. Whether you have five or one talent, that's not the matter. It really doesn't matter. You know, sometimes we look at really gifted people that have multiple talents and we envy them because when we look at ourselves, we think, oh, we only have one gift and some don't even feel like they have one gift. But I'm here to tell you, it has nothing to do with the number of talents that you are giving Given what matters to God is what you and I do with what he does give us. And hiding it is not the thing to do with it. Amen. He will call us to give an account and the number of talents will not have anything to do with what he's going to expect. Doing something with what we have been given, however great or small, is the important issue. The message is clear that we are servants that have a responsibility and we have been put in charges of his resources. And one of these days, he's going to give us an opportunity to explain what we've done 
with those gifts. That, my friend, is very scary. And the more I studied this, the more convicted I became. Because it's easy to give money and say, well, I've, I've done my part and think that that's being a good steward. But that's only a minor fraction of the stewardship things that he's talked about in Scripture. What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my opportunities? What am I doing with my body? And this is where it gets really thin ice. But he's going to get, he's going to look at me one of these days and I'm going to have to explain to him some things about what I've done to the body that he gave me. I didn't say that. It's in scripture. I'll show you that in just a minute. I am a steward of his temple. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. He said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why would Paul make such an issue of my body being the temple, the physical part of me? Not the the soul or the spirit, but the physical part. Why did he make such an issue? Because he lived in a culture that tried to separate the spirit and soul from the body and basically say, That the only thing that mattered was what went on with the spirit and the soul. But what a person did with their body doesn't matter to God. If it drank, if it cursed, if it was immoral, if it did all the things that it wanted to do, that that had nothing to do with my relationship with God. But Paul said, I need to correct that thinking. That's not the proper way to view your life. Your body... Your physical body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It gets really uncomfortable right here. When I realize that this physical tabernacle that I live in, I don't know about you, maybe you're living really well right now, but I will have to tell you, I've eaten way too many Twinkies in my lifetime. And I don't want to tell you what else I've eaten. That may not have been best for my body, but I have, I've come to understand that, that what he's looking for in me is, is what I'm doing with what he has given me. Amen. What one did in the flesh was just as important as what one did in the spirit. He spoke of glorifying God in their bodies and in their spirit, which are the Lord's. We're called to glorify him with and in our bodies. Amen. So that means I've got some stuff I need to work on. And I'm going back to what I said earlier. This, none of these lessons are, are designed to intimidate us or to condemn us. 
but they are designed to challenge us and wake us up because we like talking in tongues and we like huckabucking and doing all those great things, but then we don't always like walking out the door and realizing that we are a manager that God has put into us gifts and abilities and talents and all of these other resources so that we could glorify Him. Not ourselves, but Him. And so it is important that you and I understand. We are reminded that we have an obligation and we must live and act accordingly. Listen to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2 and 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're redeemed with the precious blood. We have been bought with a price. And recognizing that we have been redeemed should cause us to respond accordingly. Amen. I'm thankful that he has purchased my life. My body is his workmanship. The scripture talks about it in Psalms 139. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made whether we recognize it or not tonight and it has nothing to do with your shape or your beauty or whatever else. But the fact is that our body is a gift from God and we need to learn how to manage it better. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Brother Brother Starks, I wish you were up here right now. We should take care of it. And I'm preaching to the choir right now. But I'm telling you, I I have been convicted this week because of what Scripture is saying to me that it's not just a spiritual thing, but it is much more than that. The other thing is you should not put yourself down. Respect yourself because God doesn't make junk. Amen. Don't stand in front of the mirror and tell yourself how ugly you are or how whatever else you are because you're insulting God. Now, you may have done some things to make it different than what it should be. I don't know for sure, but I I do know this, that when I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I am looking at God's handiwork. The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. Man, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're all right. You're not junk. You're not a castaway. You're not a reject. You are God's creation. Glorify him in your body. Amen. It does matter what I look like. It does matter what I look like. It does matter what I do to this body. I don't even need to go there right now. We must be purposefully considerate of how we treat our own bodies. 
which is a temple. It is the residing place of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The second thing that we are to be stewards of is our talent. First Peter chapter 4. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. We have all been given special gifts and talents. And they all belong to him. We own none of those. We own none of those. But let me tell you what the devil loves to do. The devil loves to sabotage your giftings and make you think that you own them. And when you think that you own them, you use them to glorify yourself and not to glorify God. And when you try to glorify yourself, it's amazing how many times God can let you flop and fall on your face just to remind you, hey boy, this is about me, not about you. Amen. This is about me, not you. Praise God. We are all different. We're all diverse. All of our abilities are different What has God gifted you with that can be used for His glory? It is important that you use it for His glory. Amen. And not allow the devil to make you think that that's yours. You own that. And the worst part of it is not just using it to glorify yourself, I think the worst thing is not using it at all. That's what got the man in Matthew in trouble because he just didn't do anything with it. And so as much as it is wrong for me to glorify myself in what I can do, if I'm a singer or I'm, a, 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 I'm talented in some way and promote myself, as much as that is wrong, I'm here to tell you that it is equally wrong for me to have giftings and have talents and not use them and not let God make them something that will help further his kingdom and glorify him. That's why it is so important that you and I wake up and realize everybody in this building has a job to do. You don't need a position to do a job for God. Amen. Everybody has a responsibility. Everybody has an obligation to God. And God is going to be, I think, more upset at me not using it than using it for the wrong purpose. Now, we can debate that if you want to, but go read Matthew 25 again. He just didn't do anything with it, and he was proud that he hadn't lost it. God is not interested in you not losing it. He's interested in you not using it. Amen. I'm going to hurry on. We must be stewards of our treasure. And you knew I would get around to this because this is what we always think about. But I want to tell you something for sure. 
That if you don't realize that your body is the temple and you don't realize that your talents are on loan from God, it really will not matter in some ways if you understand this principle because you're going to miss something very important. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's something to ignore. By no means do I mean that. But a lot of people think that if I just give, that, that, makes, that covers up for what all I'm not doing. And, and he said, oh, no, no, no. Stewardship of my treasures. All that we have is given to us from God. And treasures include many things, not just money, but they include our priorities, our, uh, our resources, and so forth. And when we frame an understanding of our life on the principle that we are managing something, it will change the way we approach it. Managing is the part of my life that is the most challenging at times. And we know that money is the root source of all evil or trouble. And God must have known that when he said the things he said in scripture about money. So that we would understand we need his word to guide us. And we need to make wise choices and live according to his will. And we should have a proper view toward money and our finances, the financial resources that God has given to us to use them wisely. And stewardship of those things involves the privilege of giving. Giving should not be based on guilt. It should be based on joy. The Bible said that God loves a cheerful giver. Not somebody that's condemned into giving, but somebody that understands that it is an opportunity, it is a joy, it is a treat to give. Missionary Jim Elliott, who was uh, killed in Ecuador, said, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Amen. What a powerful statement. Tithing, Malachi 3 and 10. He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. It is a principle of scripture. This is a mandate from God that I have a responsibility to him. And we are challenged to bring that first 10% to him, to prove him. God said, give me the opportunity. God gave you the mind and the strength and the power to work. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't be making the money that you're making. Or we wouldn't be doing the things we're doing. And so... It should be my opportunity and my privilege to show him how much I love him and how much I trust him. You know, that's what this is really all about. It's who do we trust? 
ourselves or the Lord. Amen. Deuteronomy 16 and 17 said, Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. Paul talked about giving multiple times in the New Testament. And he talked about the same principle, giving out of a cheerful heart and giving liberally. He said, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. Luke said it like this, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So I have a question to you to ask you tonight. Would you rather measure with a spoon or a shovel <laughs> or a front end loader? You put that spoonful in, you're probably going to get that spoonful out. Maybe a little more. I don't know. I know God's really generous and He's real gracious. But the Bible said, as a man soweth, so shall he also reap. If you want a shovel-sized blessing, then give a shovel-sized gift. If you want a front-end loader blessing, then give a front-end loader gift. How you measure is how it is meted back to you. I want to be a giver. And you cannot outgive the Lord. Amen. You can give a spoonful, but don't expect a bucket load in return. If God gives you a bucket load, you ought to thank your blessed, merciful God that He doesn't look at you according to your, your, your condition, but He looks at you according to His mercy. But I've learned this about God, that the more you give to Him, the more He gives back to you. Amen. You cannot outgive the Lord. It should become the fabric of our life. It should be First and foremost, offerings and tithings that are not an afterthought, but they are part of who we are. They are the priority of our life. Amen. You say, all you're trying to do is drum up some offerings. I've never tried to drum up offerings around here. In 29 years, I've never tried to drum up an offering. If I have to beg you to give it, I don't want it, neither does God. The hand that is closed too tightly to give is closed too tightly to receive. But when you open your hand toward God, when God opens His hand toward you, His hand is a whole lot bigger than your hand. And I'm just thankful that when I do open my hand to God, God opens His hand and it is always and overflow. Amen. I'm making you uncomfortable. I'm going to move on to number four. Stewarding our time. James 4 and 14 said that life is like a vapor. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? 
It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We should be careful and wise stewards of our time. And I would have to confess to you tonight, if there's anything that I feel the most convicted over tonight, is the proper use of time in my life. That I do not squander it, that I do not waste it. I've never wanted to come into this place and preach just for the sake of preaching and waste your time. Life is too valuable for that. And I understand that you need rest and you need family and you need all of these things and those all should be a part of your life. But my life is only so long and I must make sure that I use every hour that God gives me for the right purpose. Amen. Ephesians 5 and 15 said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, buying up the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You and I have all been given a space of time by God to accomplish His purpose. And how we steward that allotted time is important to God and it should be important to us. His gift is perhaps most overlooked that only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Our time that we spend in personal devotion That's important to God. Our time we spend with family is important to God because family was God's idea. Amen. Family was God's idea. The time we spend with our church, the time we spend at work, the time we spend for ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with having time for yourself. Even the Lord went into the mountains to rest. Doesn't hurt you or I to take days off or time away. But how we use my time, how we use our time should be an element of concern for all of us. And I need to ask myself on a regular basis, Lord, am I using my time wisely? Help me to use it more wisely. I love what one of our elder ministers used to say about his own life, that every day he wanted to touch a soul. He wanted to touch a life. And every day he wanted to touch something that was eternal, something that would not go away in this life. I pray that that would become our priority, that we would want to touch somebody every day and touch something that is eternal every day. You see, stewardship simply boils down to this simple question. Who is the Lord over my life? Me or Him? Stewardship is the way that you and I should understand our relationship with God and what we own. Everything belongs to Him. He created everything and He has simply entrusted it back to us, to use for His glory. Biblical stewardship 
will challenge you to recognize that God is the true owner of everything and that He expects me to manage His resources in a certain way. Stewardship is not about giving back to God. It's about us doing what He has called us to do. It's about us accomplishing something that matters for Him with what He has given us. When something doesn't belong to you, that should, use, that, that should lead you to use it more carefully. And I'm closing with this. While there is in our possession talents and time and resources and energy and life, you and I need to be mindful of how we are managing it. Stand with me if you will. We have a choice in how we use the resources that God has given us. His resources are wonderful and they're blessed, but they don't belong to us. And as a steward, my challenge is to use those resources in a way that advance His interest, not mine. So how can we become good stewards? I'm going to leave you with three things. Number one, learn to value what God values. Number two, take care of your talents. Or let me rephrase this. Taking care of your talents is not the same as using your talent. The man who was given the one talent took care of it He didn't let anything happen to it. He went and hid it. But that's not the same as using. Keep them safe. Keep them clean. Keep them secure. That's not what God's looking for. But if they're sitting untouched and unused, then we owe an obligation to God to explain why we have done that. When you view everything as belonging to God and everything has been given to you from God, then it will change the way you live your everyday life. And thirdly, invest in the things that God cares about. Amen. His church, missions, children, youth, seniors, amen. The poor, the afflicted, those who are destitute, men and women who are without, invest in those things that God cares about. And you'll hear him say one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Amen. Stewardship. It is a part and parcel of my life, not just my money, but my talent and my time and my energies, and my body. Amen. I got some stuff I got to work on. I don't know about you, but I have some things that I need to work on. Father, we love you tonight. I know that I am not qualified to teach this lesson. I don't know any of us, Lord, that are qualified 
to really talk about these things in the way that they should be talked about. But help us in our humanity, Lord, and in our understanding of how we fall so short that we would not forget our obligation to you, that we have a responsibility to use what you have given us for your glory. Help us to glorify you in our bodies, in our spirits, every day that we live. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said amen. Praise God. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise? Hallelujah.